Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Good evening. Are we enjoying the weather? Amen. Yes. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with church. Just wanted to know. <laughs> Father, we just we thank you for this evening. Thank you for the, the climate change. Thank you for the love. And thank you that you care about us and that you're here in our midst right now. And so, Holy Spirit, just have your way in every part of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Well, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, so I'm not going to tell you. Oh, anyway, gosh. turn to Exodus. Exodus chapter 26 and 31. Then we'll look at 33 too. But this is uh, Moses, and they are setting up the, the place where God is going to reside with them for a while. And he tells them, he says, Make a curtain of blue, purple, scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen, with cherubim woven into it by a skilled worker. And then 32 says, and hang it with gold hooks on four posts of a cow word, word, wood, overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. And so they uh, then hang the curtain from the cleft, place the Ark of the Covenant law behind the curtain. And so that begins the the veil. Veil, veil is very interesting. We, we kind of get interested in it when uh, uh, Jesus was on the cross and the veil was rent from top to bottom. And it's, it's very interesting because uh, this probably isn't the proper pronunciation or even the enunciation of it, but uh, it's masca means a covering or something spread out, covering or concealing something else. And Pharaoh F and Mascus are two words used explicitly refer to the veil of the tabernacle of the temple which hung between the holy place and the most holy place. There has been an issue with the veil ever since it began because it was to keep the people out of the presence of God. And we understand that uh, when Jesus died on the cross, that the veil was rent from the top to the bottom. And I, you've probably heard me say it before, but that was so man couldn't take or be blamed for the veil being rent in two like that. Uh, we find out that uh, with the issues of the mask today, there's more to us wearing masks than they're willing to tell you. Okay. So, yeah, so it, it's to hide something. It is to keep something concealed. It is to keep you under control and all of these things, but we're looking tonight and 
In the temple, a partition wall separated these two places. In it were two folding doors, which are supposed to have been always opened, and the entrance being concealed by the veil that the high priest lifted when he entered into the sanctuary on the Day of Atonement. This veil was rent when Christ died on the cross. The veil between man and God has been in place since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. And uh, it's at this point when Adam and Eve, they're driven from the garden and man begins to realize that he could not have the same relationship that they had had with God and what they really had enjoyed it. Uh, So the veil became a separation of man and God. There, it, it talks about the flesh, okay? And that keeps us from seeing and, and be are not seeing, but being in the presence of God. It is the flesh, the veil. That is our veil. And it's interesting as you study different denominations and different religions, but just really the denominations, you find out that man is trying to sew up the veil again because they really don't want the responsibility because once you know, once you've experienced, you are required of that that you know and you're going to be held accountable for it one of these days. But uh, the the veil was the thing that became or just was between man and God. It's talking about the flesh. It's talking about the flesh is our natural desires. And First uh, John two sixteen talks about this. It says that uh, the sins of the flesh, as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Those are the things that keep us from not experiencing the things that we would like to. And so we're going to get a little deeper into experiencing the things of God, the presence of God. And, and we like <clears throat> we like for you know Him to be in our midst. We like to feel His presence and all that. But... Uh, <clears throat> We look at what was required. Did you know there's always requirements how you approach God? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, it's, it was interesting because uh, the priest had to pass by the sacrifice that was upon the altar. Then he had to go and he had to apply the blood of the sacrifice. This is every time they gathered together. Then he was to go, this is all ritual. This was, he had to wash in the labor. He had to go into the holy place. Then he had to partake of the table of of showbread. Then he had to trim the lamp of the candlesticks. Then he had to offer, you know, incense up to God. Then, if everything was okay, then he could enter into the presence of God's glory. But if it wasn't, this, and I I found this very interesting that every time the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, uh, 
that they had a rope tied around his ankle. And if it didn't go well, they knew it, and so they would have to just drag him out, and he would be dead because everything hadn't been followed, and he, you know, things were going on. And what if, what if that was when we approach God, when we want His presence in a service? What if our issues with our natural desires came up? You know, there's a somebody needs to go in the rope business if it was, but no, but he's not like that. Grace, mercy, all of those things. But it, it's it's interesting because Israel they weren't strangers to God. The AGs aren't strangers to God. Uh, they knew who the great God Jehovah was. We know. Uh, they knew that uh, he was the one true God. They dwelled in his presence. They even followed the cloud by day and fire by night. And the tabernacle was set up to invite the presence of God. Now this is they're going towards the, the promised land. And every time that the three or four million people, the Jewish people, stopped, this tabernacle was erected and put up in the center of, of, the, of the gathering and they built around you know the three four million people every time they rested and this was uh, so they could you know experience you know God so but I you, you think about this and you go wow I thought it was just hard to you know to get up and get ready to come to church you know and, but but we look at these, and I'm glad that we aren't under these, you know, directions and, and all of that and the pomp and the splendor of all this going on. But it, it's interesting because the, the children of Israel, they experienced the miracles of deliverance at the Red Sea. They were fed by manna. And how many of you eat out quite a bit when, you know, like there's two? We... We eat out all the time. She'll say, well, okay, I'll get lunch at so-and-so, and I'll, well, what do you want to eat? But it would have been kind of nice, I think. I wasn't there. But just to say, well, the manna, I, I went and picked up the manna this morning, and we don't have to worry about it because that's what we're going to, the heavenly bread, the angelic bread of, of heaven. And uh, then they were given water, from a rock. They experienced the miraculous God, the great Jehovah, every day of their lives. And still, that wasn't enough. And so sometimes, you know, our, our associate pastor, he preached on, you know, do we need another Pentecost and all that? Well, we want the presence of God. We want things to happen. And the reason that we want things to happen is because there are a lot of people with needs just in our family. The, probably one of the greatest needs with our family is we need a, that, that gift of the Spirit called miraculous healing. Amen. And it's there. All we have to do is ask for it. But... We don't take in, you know, and say, all right, well, now, uh, 
you know, I, I'm more in the... How many of you are in the Spirit all day, every day? <laughs> you know, there, there is nobody that's here. There is nobody that's out there uh, watching Facebook or whatever that could say, all 24 hours of the day I'm in the Spirit because that's not the truth. Israel knew about God. We know about God. They, they knew His power. We know His power and we miss it. Now, not all, not all churches are missing the power of God. And it is surprising to think about this for a moment. What if God came into a service, and I mean, you remember Glendola, that what she shared, she shared it in Sunday school, then our, our pastor talked about it a little bit, that she actually saw the Shekinah glory of God. I mean, it was there, thick. What would happen if God just came through? He wouldn't even have to come through the back door or front door, whatever, the entrance or whatever. He could just come through one of these walls, and His presence, I guarantee you, we would know His presence. We would feel His presence. We would sense His presence. And I promise you there wouldn't be... You know when we get visitors, how many of you kind of turn back to see who it is that has come in? <laughs> and we've all done it from time to time. But... It's, it, it's interesting that if God came in a more prestigious power than he's ever been before, and in the last day he's going to do some things that he's never done before. What if, what if we could have that presence of God and it was like I've talked about it, our pastor has preached about it, and, you know, the, the 120, they were uh, dedicating the temple, and the priests couldn't even, you know, they couldn't even do their ritual duties and all of that because the presence of God had come into the, the temple, and they were slain in the Spirit. They were on the ground, they were on their faces, and they could not move. Wonder how that would really feel. I haven't experienced it to that level, but it's it's kind of it, it's different when you are slain in the spirit, and all of a sudden you find yourself on the floor. And I, I've heard different people, you know, talk about it. They didn't even want to get up, even if they could, yeah. because it was it was such a presence of God, and so. This, this veil, the veil keeps us from experiencing the presence of God. You know what? Very few people, even those that are saved, ever really in, just enter into the glory of God. And in fact, the glory of God were to come into the church right now, there wouldn't be any of us that could stand in His presence, His awesome power, His holiness, just His righteousness. Not one of us could look upon Him and even live. And so just like Israel, and this is always, it, I've had this question, but yet 
I'm always directed, look inward, look inward. Why would God have to tell the Jewish people, I don't want you to go in and, you know, mingle and marry these people that are idol worshipers? Because there is such a drawing of that. And we all understand back then, they were just graven images. They were carved out of stone. They were, you know, out of wood or whatever. What was it that enticed them, even though they had experienced God as they are going to the promised land, what is it that caused them to just... The sin kept them from going into the promised land. And our own sins, our fleshly, natural man, earthly desires, selfish attitudes, self-sufficiency, and self-determination stands as a veil to hide the glory of God. You know why we don't have what we had back in the 50s and the 60s? I'll tell you why. Because God is not the God of the past. Well, one of these days I'm going to get so close to God that, you know, no problems. God's not there. God is not the God of the future. He told... Moses wanted to know, who, who am I going to tell the, Israel, the Israelites, you know, who sent you? And because they knew he had grown up in the Pharaoh's court and all this stuff. But with this message, he says, who am I going to say sent me that I've come to deliver you all? He said, tell them I am. I am. I am is a, that's a present tense God. And, and I love that because in uh, the 23rd Psalm, uh, David, as he was out in, in the sheep pasture, he was out there tending his family's sheep. They knew, Jesse the father knew that Samuel was going to come. He was going to anoint one of Jesse's sons. And so Samuel sent word ahead. He didn't email him. He sent word ahead. He said, I want all of your sons in the house because God has sent me, but I can't, you know, I can't really share this with very many people because if King Saul finds out that I am going to anoint the king of Israel, he'll kill me and whoever's involved. But yet, so Samuel gets there. Are all of Jesse's sons there? Who was missing? David. Where was he? He out was tending out sheep. tending the sheep. His own family didn't think, you know, no, no, he's too young, all of this. And yet, people like us, the people that knew you before you got saved, and, and you're, you're, Pursuing God with everything you got, and and they just say no, no, I don't. It's not going to last. It's not going to work out. All of these things, but it is. And even 
like David, we're going to slip up. But we have to guard ourselves. We have to watch out for the veil, the flesh, the desires. This is one of the things that happens is that, uh, you know, I, I want to do this. And so we make a decision and we might, you know, both of us, the husband, wife, the you know, whatever, may agree, but, uh, you know, have we asked God, but you know what we do? Oh, no, no, I, I you know, I, I ask God, well, give me the time and the hour and the date that you asked God. Was that before you decided to go ahead with your plan and you had already started in your plan. And then we asked God, bless our plans. And we think we have, we convinced ourselves that God is kind of, you know, fooled with that. And, and, but he's not. And he's still working on us. He's doing things in our lives because he wants that veil removed and only only can God and us working with him accomplish that in our lives. And it's, it's kind of interesting to me, uh, you know, as much as we, you know, we mean well, all of that, but yet that veil is still there. We know that it's a problem, but sometimes it's just easier. And you know how I know? It's just easier to go ahead with your plan and then when you're getting in the car and your family's in there and you okay, Lord, keep your hand of protection on us and, and bless this endeavor. It's going to bless you in the end, you know, the end result. And so there's things that... Uh, that happened that we really don't know why it happens, but uh, we'll understand it better by and by. So, but the veil, the veil. People, the religious leaders, they keep trying to sew that veil back up. Because when Moses came down from the mountain, and the thundering and the lightning and the presence, the cloud and everything, and they heard God speak, it scared the daylights out of about four million people. And they just, no Moses, no Moses. You go back up on that mountain and you tell God, we want to hear it from you that, you know, if, if we keep hearing that thunderous voice and that powerful voice that we're going to be consumed by fire or whatever, and... So uh, Moses, he did. So he goes back up, comes down, and Jonathan, I'm not, I'm not sure where Jonathan was. At our, Joshua, not Jonathan. It starts with a J. Uh, it's a Jewish name, so you know, you can, it's easy to get it mixed up. But Joshua was someplace, and as Moses comes... God has already inscribed on the front and the backs of the stones the Ten Commandments. And Joshua said, there's something going on down there. He said, it sounds like war. Moses said, no, that's not, that's not war. They're playing. And they get down 
and see what is going on. And about 3,000 of the Israelites are, you know, they're celebrating and they're dancing around this golden calf. And when Moses sees this, he takes that, that Ten Commandments, the stone tablets, and he throws them on the ground because he is angered with how in the world could the people do that. And their excuse was, well, you were gone and we really didn't, you know, uh, know what had happened to you. We, you know, probably some of them voiced the thing. Well, we thought God had consumed you or done something with you or whatever. And, but yet you can't over explain why was there a golden calf? What was that? And they were, they were dancing and, and, you know, worshiping it and saying, this calf is going to lead us to the promised land. It brought us out of our, uh, you know, uh, slave stuff and all of this mentality. <laughs> and Moses just looks at him. But then he looks at his brother, Aaron, and he said, Aaron, why did you let these people get out of control? And Aaron just said, well, you know, they're, they're stiff-necked, they're hard, you know, hard, uh, hard of mind, and they get something in their minds they want to. He said, and so they brought me these gold earrings, and I just, you know, threw all that stuff in the fire for them and uh, said, up came this calf. Now, I have heard stuff lately that is stupid. Okay. <laughs> but that puts a new twist on stupid. You know. But what's interesting, even though this is how much God loves us, even though there are men of God and women of God that have messed up, and yet God says, I want you to honor them. But God, you know, they had us dancing around and all that stuff around this golden calf. And he told, he tells Moses, he said, they will hear what I have to tell you. They will hear it from Aaron's lips and they will obey it to the nth degree. That's how much God loves us. That, that's how much He cares about it. He wants us to be in, in the fullness of the Spirit and He wants us to experience the things of God. And, you know, uh, there, was, there was some preachers that, you know, I'm talking big-name preachers that, that failed. And, man, I wouldn't have, you know, nah, you know, I don't care, you know, whatever. That, that's not right. We're not going to listen to them. And, and anyway, I had to be shown. And that wasn't a pretty way to be shown. But uh, God loves us. And he's going to get his word out. It doesn't matter what we think about the woman. When God touches them, when they have been saved, that you look at them and then you look at yourself and say, you know, I, I was at the depths of sin myself. And God saved me. And, and I want people to have a relationship with me and, and all of these things. So <coughs> it's no difference. Paul... Paul struggled with that, or Saul, and then he became Paul. 
but he struggled with this because I mean he was they were throwing garments of the people that were being killed at his feet and and all of this stuff and yet God says Saul why are you persecuting me and Saul's thinking uh God you're not down here that that's just some of those people that you know uh that are in the way and that was what their you know movement was at the time the way movement and uh, it's just God says I'm going to get my will done however I decide and there is something that happens in your life and my life that he always as we're open to it he will come in and through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit he will just slowly change our attitudes our minds and he says this is who I am so if we've read the whole Bible we understand there isn't anything God can do that would surprise us really well there's there's one thing that with me but but I'm not regular people <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from Kellyville okay <laughs> but we but we look at it and God he is every every one of us we have made mistakes we will make mistakes and yet he says I'm going to use you in this area. I'm going to use you in this movement. Then we're going to go and get better because my people that really love me, that really want to get that veil taken out of the way, and that is really pursuing God and say, God, help me deal with my self-sufficiency. Help me to deal with my self-determination and... Uh, it's just, you know, and he does it. Uh, one of the most exciting things that I think that has happened to America happened from 2016 to 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was the most beautiful. And it showed, and that's what God does, is that he uses people to show us our frailties, our weaknesses, our our self-determinations and our, you know, selfish attitudes and all of that. And there's T-shirts out now that has a saying on it that ought, you know, it can't be spoken about on Facebook, but uh, you you can check with Debbie after church. (laughs) She doesn't even know. (laughs) You can ask me and I'll tell you, but you already know. But you just... You just don't know when you knew it. <laughs> that really makes sense. Perplexity is staring at me right now. So, why is there still a veil between God's glory and myself? It is because God doesn't have to change. He, he is not changing. He is, he is unchangeable, and that's why we like Him. That's why we pursue Him. And... Uh, there's there's some well there isn't one of us who has not been guilty of self-reliancy and how do I know well there's some things here I want to share with you because there isn't any prayer in these altars 
I may get in trouble, but I, I, you know, I don't think until those altars are put back right here that where they where they belong, that yeah, and that's that's my opinion, and I, I I'll take the consequence of whatever's said about it, but there aren't any prayers in these altars. There seems to be no real crying out to God. I'm talking about crying out to God. Anybody in here have loved ones that you know that if Jesus came right now, they would be left? Yeah. And, and yet, we know that. And I know that. But yet, it, wrapped up in myself is there's that veil. There's that veil that keeps me from pursuing that all the time. And I'm not talking 24 hours a day, but I'm just talking about that. We know that you know, we need to start praying for our loved ones. And uh, there isn't one of us who has not reached a place in our lives where we think that we know enough about... How many of you have heard probably 10 years of preaching? You probably haven't heard anything new, right? Well, maybe presented mm-hmm. to you, but it really is not new. Yeah. Uh, so we don't, if it doesn't, if it doesn't get our attention at the time that the, the uh, text is read or the, 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 the uh, title of the sermon is read, now I've, I'm going to look and smile at our pastor less, but you know, and so we go off into behind our veil, and but that's all I have to say about that. Anyway, who among us still seeks earnestly after the will before we make a move? And we already went there. There is not one here who, who can honestly say that we don't walk after our own desires and get into a self-centered mode from time to time. And I heard a preacher Sunday after I got home, I, I mean, he said exactly, you know, what, what I, I knew about me. And uh, it's just, there's, there's responses that we automatically make. And I'm going, wow, he hit that one on the nail. And if I told you, then you would always be on the lookout if that's mentioned. And we're all going to turn around and look at Verlin and <laughs> as if he's repented yet or whatever. But uh, then the last thing is uh, how much worldliness is still in us? You know, I... I love Rambo movies. I love I love to watch uh, karate stuff. I love Stephen uh, Seagal. Seagal, yeah. Or anyway, the the tall guy that he's never been whipped, you know. <laughs> and yet, some of his movies aren't that really that uh, uh, reflecting the love of Christ in it and stuff like that. And so I still there there's still that that's got to come out. Because in other words, what I am saying is, I want my revenge. I wish that when I was young, I would have known karate. 
and I wouldn't have any regrets in my mind because I'd be dead probably, but because <laughs> I, I went to high school at Walters. But, uh, uh, but we want to deal, we want to get vengeance, and Scripture tells us plainly about that. No, God says vengeance is mine. And uh, we just have to learn to kill the fleshly nature within us through the power of the cross, and without it, we will never see the glory of God. What am I willing to give up? And I'm not talking about the 21 things of the fasting and prayer. I'm not talking about it. What are some things that I could give up that I could get closer to God I mean, and not just, you know, just, well, Lord, you know, if you meet that desire, then I'll say, all right, I got that, and then just pick up where I left off and all that. But he knows exactly what we are, what we will be tomorrow, and all that. And he still loves us. And, and, and that that's exciting. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, "Follow peace with all men, because there's some there's there's some places I would like to go with a uh, hunting license, but follow <laughs> peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord." And then in John fourteen and six, he says, "Jesus saith unto them, He says, I am the way." I don't care if you can rationalize it or think that you're okay because, you know, until God really deals directly with our attitudes and our mind and our mentality that uh, sometimes, you know, well, he he doesn't mind because he knows me, he made me, and so, but it just says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You really want to see the glory of God? How much have we changed our habits in the past two weeks? And did I hear an ouch? Because there was no haggy hand clapping on that one. But there's a price that has to be paid. Hmm. We can't earn our way into seeing His glory. We can't without sacrifice or be good enough for that to happen. But if we earnestly desire, I earnestly, there are Clyde, there's Heidi, there's, let's see, you had your feet prayed for. Uh, You know, we just, oh, was it her Sunday? Or, yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, my mind, uh, but but really, you know, I really, God says that if you will just get rid of your unbelief, He says, I will do, you can say to this mountain, and these mountains that we face today, their healings, their, their uh, finances, their family problems, all of these things, Hebrews 10, 19, and 20 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest 
by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath concentrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Jesus, by offering his own flesh, flesh is our veil, his veil, has made the path for each of us to do the same thing. Jesus died literally giving his life, his body and his blood, for our deliverance and salvation and for our healing. And I just have to ask, can we do any less? Because these are, these are important things. People's lives are out there in the balance. And we have to decide, you know, I've got to kill the old man. I've got to get this flesh out of the way. Give our lives into God's hands so that we can be resurrected and born again and a new man of the Spirit. Then as we look at the cross of Calvary, crucifying our earthly nature on a constant daily basis, and look to Jesus to bring us into the perfect state of a sanctified heavenly nature. God's Word in the last talks about, He says that uh, we, we have to realize that we our earthly nature has to be dealt with. It has to be, well, I thought I could put it another way, but Paul said, we have to die daily. As, as I challenge you, if you haven't read a biography of, of Paul that was written by somebody else, the, all the things he went through, that's one thing that I said when I knew I was being called into the ministry and I didn't realize all that he had gone through to get where he was and is. That, I mean, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was thrown outside the gate. They thought he was dead. Uh, and this is by the religious folk. And I mean, he, they, they talk about the rods that they used, 39, well, it, 40 was all they could do, but so they subtracted one. So 39 was all the, the rod beating that you could do. And let me tell you, when we see Jesus and when we see Paul, I promise you, you're going, well, no, he'll, Paul will be in a new body, okay? Jesus will still have the scars in his hand, the in his feet, and his side riven. But he paid a price. Sometimes I wonder, do I come to church out of duty? Do I really just come because I want some social interaction? Uh... Or have you come to see the glory of God and to feel His presence? Yeah, I want to feel His presence. I want, I want to see the power of God, but it's an individual thing. I know the pastor, the associate pastor, I can't mandate, you know, this is what you will do and all this, but we have to come. And we have to make sure 
And we just have to start saying, you know, like Paul says, I will die daily. And Crystal was talking about uh, coffee. She didn't drink coffee. And I said, I would be praying that <coughs> prayer, even so, come quickly, Lord. <laughs> because that's, and it, there's not anything wrong with coffee unless you can't do it. And uh, that's good. But what are we willing to die to? And that would probably be near death. But anyway. But as we come back into and think about the presence of God, I, I promise you just what little that I have tasted and seen of God, oh, it, it'd be worth it. It'd be worth it. And then we could just push on in and tear some more of that veil away and just, you know, uh, because when I start seeing Diane and Clyde and, and Marie and uh, all those people, Heidi getting healed and, and Cassie back there, just, just to see the instant miraculous things. And then I would grab one of you and then I would be healed. Because God's power would be all over us. And it's it's exciting. But we have to come to that conclusion on our own. So we just need to start tearing down the veil and just say, All right, Lord, do do that work in me. I I want I want what you have for me. And I'm persuaded that he has some pretty neat things for you all. Just in, in the near future. And it's, it's exciting. Because of things that are just happening, his presence is very real here. When we come together, when we enter into the, to the praise and the word. But see, it's, it, comes, it comes at a cost. Because it is so easy to say, you know what? I want to come in, and Lord, you're here right now. And so I've got a couple of petitions. I don't work like that. It, it, you come in. He says, we enter his gates with prayer and praise and thanksgiving. We enter into his court. And then after we give him his due worship and praise and all that, then there's that time for the other things. But you just think it, the Father sent his Son and I think about my son. Yeah, I, I'm glad God is God. And I'm glad his son is Jesus. And he was willing to come. And I've never really come to understand more the three times that as he was at the Garden of Gethsemane. And I mean, he was, he was, I mean, he was sweating blood and yet the disciples the apostles to be couldn't even stay awake but we really don't know all that was there i wasn't there and so i don't know i may, i probably would have responded because like i told you before uh peter james and john uh peter kelly I, i'm pretty sure his last name kelly if that's even jewish i don't know but because uh, we have some of the same problem, but uh, just just thinking 
about the, the cup of suffering that he was having to take. And then I think back of, of James and John, or yeah, James and John. Uh, their mama comes and says, I want, you know, James on one side and John on the other side and all that. And Jesus just told her, said, you know, that's not for me to decide. That's for our Father to decide. And 